right, we got Dan Julian, our first guest on the New 40 podcast. Going to be good. He is a medical, what do you call yourself, Dan? Medical aesthetics provider. Here's Julian. Roy doesn't really know what you do. That's why he just said that. He's like, you introduce yourself. Here's the thing. I met Dan years ago. We played squash together. And at the time, he was like a nurse practitioner at the University of Ottawa. And then he got tired of giving medical aid to hot college students. So he's like, I need to pivot in my career. This is just too too gross so i was thinking why don't we get into a conversation with dan about how you know he made that pivot after 40 and and where he is now and at the end maybe dan can give us a few tips on how to look 30 at 40. i was gonna say you're saying after 40 dan like you don't look like you're in your 40s at all unless Rory had told me that i would be like bullshit <laughs> like that's absolutely insane so at what point like how old were you when you decided you want to shift careers i was a registered nurse for eight years then I jumped into, as a nurse practitioner, I worked at University of Ottawa Health Services. I was there for 12 years. And the whole time since I was a nurse, when I when I graduated, I knew I wanted to have some type of business on my own, but I just didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to implement it as a registered nurse or an NP. And every job I had, people were like, wow, you're pretty driven. Like, well, what, do you, what, what do you want to do? And I told them, like, one day I'm going to have my own business. And they're like, well, good luck with that. It's a lot of work. And do you know what you want to do with it? And I had no idea. I just knew that somehow that was going to happen. And I think that's that drive kept me going. So I needed this spark and I just took squash really seriously. I actually dove into it. I told Heather, our coach at uh, Good Life, but I said, listen, I want to be the best in Ottawa and I'm going to give you all of me for three years. And she, she started laughing. She's like, Dan, you know, there are kids on a court who are like practicing since they're 10 and they practice seven days a week. And I just said, just tell me what I need to do. And so I just went all in, basically kind of took whatever I learned from that discipline of, of squash and brought into this field right at the end of the three years of me giving it absolutely everything. That's whenever I found out I can open up my own clinic as a medical aesthetics provider, as a nurse practitioner. To clarify that, as a nurse practitioner, whenever I was working at University of Ottawa Health Services, all my patients that I had to be out of family practice, but all my patients had to be tied to a physician. And those physicians, like the physician never saw these patients, they were all mine. As long as you have the knowledge, skill, and judgment, I found out I can do this on my own and I can be my own medical director. I didn't have to be tied to a physician. So that's where kind of like everything, there was a big light bulb that went off. I knew that medical aesthetics was taking off. This is my 20-year moment where I've been waiting for and I dropped absolutely everything, and I jumped into medical aesthetics 100%, and I dropped everything for it. Well, let me jump in there. So, because I had the same goal for like a period of time in my 30s, I wanted to be this West squash player in Ottawa. And so I would practice every day. I would I would try to climb the ladder and stuff like that. But then after a while, I got like repetitive stress injuries because my ambition sort of outweighed my what my body could handle. And so I gave up. But you opened up a successful practice. So where? <laughs> How <laughs> does that work? During that time, there was a mixture of things. I played squash for a while already up until that point, but I just never dedicated myself to it. And I knew that there was something I was missing out of it. Whenever I started taking lessons and all my workouts and everything was dedicated towards it, I thought it was just going to be linear growth. I was on my way up. I was having so many downs because whenever you move up a tier, you just get crushed by all these better players who just know this secret of squash that you still haven't figured out yet. But basically, it's just putting in the work, mastering the basics, doing it day in, day out until it becomes repetition until you're not really thinking out there and you're just implementing it and you're more accurate that takes so much discipline and belief and i just really implemented that into medical aesthetics whenever i brought this into the career i needed mm -hmm. to 
master this discipline like no other. I love this story, Dan. I love that when somebody said to you, well, you know, the people are young starting this and you're a little bit too old or whatever. And you're like, kiss my ass, like watch this. And you actually went after it. And that mindset of being able to uh, be taken down a notch, like you get good and then you push yourself further and then you get knocked down a little bit, push yourself further. You get knocked down a little bit, takes so much swallowing of the ego. I remember that back like when we used to play together. I, I, you know, if I couldn't beat you skill wise on the court, I would just like make fun of your, you know, self esteem and stuff like that between points and between stuff. I try to get inside your head, and that's the only way I can get points off you. But moving forward, what, what, what? It's always it's hard to take a pivot and like a big jump and stuff like that. It's like what, what was holding you back, or what were you fearful of before taking that leap from a steady job into something more risky? So for me, it was a combination of things. It was right off the bat, I thought, what am I going to do? Am I going to open up another nurse practitioner family practice on my own? What's that going to give me? I was in the fitness. I'm like, maybe I'll do something to fitness, but I'm in, I'm in medical. Like people are doing this on the side who are personal trainers that, you know, doing this all already. I needed something that would, would tie this all in. And I, I just didn't know. But whenever I found out that this came out, this really was something for me. So basically... I'm very comfortable speaking on camera. I'm very comfortable, like, kind of have a very artistic background. Having that combination of art and then bringing it into medical aesthetic and, and medicine was perfect for me because I came in and I was able to implement both. And I knew that no matter what, even if I didn't have any social media background, I just knew that a lot of put in the work, I could do this. So it's kind of kind of like a strong sense of belief. And at the same time, a little bit more of my background kind of combined. I remember when you first started getting into the social media thing, I forget whether this was you. I get it all the time, actually. Like when I was like in the, in the early days, it was like, how are you, how are you getting these, these viral videos? I'm like, I don't know, dude, just, just like consistency, just release a bunch of crap and hopefully one of them takes off. Obviously it did for you because uh, it's your YouTube channel has just grown exponentially. But as far as the content you create, Go back to what you were saying there a second ago. Is there an inadequacy in your field for posting something in the medical realm? Uh, fear that like someone with more qualifications might pick you apart, like the surgeons you were talking about? 100%. That's why no one's doing it. So whenever I first got into this, I, I kind of went into medical aesthetics a little different than most people. So this is medical aesthetics is this weird industry, even though it's a very specialized field that you really need to know well in order to make sure that you don't screw anyone's face up and at the same time you're not harming anyone for some reason medicine and nursing still see it as like an added skill instead of a specific field and as a result you can just take a weekend course and go ahead and start injecting people and that's what most people do like 99 percent it's crazy what i end up doing is i understood the risk with it so before kind of going into it i ended up just studying and learning the anatomy for a few months before I touched anyone. And until I understood the exact locations of the artery on the face, how they varied in depth, how the skull shifts, how the fat paths change, how, what happens as we mature the skin. Then at that point, then I went to that weekend course and I had all these questions laid out. And this guy, I remember what he was teaching, he's like, man, how do I even do this for him? I'm like, I haven't started. I like, what the hell? These are amazing questions. And it's because I was ready for it. And as a result, I went in and I went in full force. So imagine that these people usually go that route where they're taking these crash courses and then they see me and they're like, how the hell is this guy brave enough to post 
a whole video and a series of videos on YouTube about this stuff whenever I'm terrified of just injecting it myself. But it, it's it's putting in the work and at the same time just seeing it as a different angle. So that's what I did. And the other thing too was whenever I was trying to learn these things independently, what do you do whenever you want to fix anything or learn anything? You kind of want to cheat. You want to go to YouTube. So I was like, kind of go to YouTube. I'm like, it's got to be something in medical aesthetics here. And there was nothing. There's maybe one guy named Dr. Johnny at that point, And he was like posting these videos, but I really wasn't getting the information I was hoping to get out of it. So I was like, man, I could be the guy. I could be the guy that people are going to go to for information on YouTube because that's where you're going to go for information. And uh, that's wherever I kind of came up with this idea, this grandiose idea of like, you know what, as a result, I'm going to be the face of Canada. And that, that's what I'm going with. I use YouTube as a media platform where it's very professional. I post content that I say, this is what I do. I don't say this is, this is what everyone should be doing. I just say, this is what I do. And at the same time, I do have a disclaimer saying this is for educational purposes. You shouldn't be using it as knowledge or like education or anything like that. It's just for entertainment. And in the end, I, I still use that platform for my professional. And then I use my Instagram more for like a web page. And that's translated into business so that when you... Everything's all tied in. Love it. So were you, you so when you were creating those characters at the beginning, you were, <clears throat> you're basically trying to hide yourself in those characters more or less, right? I was just trying to make it entertaining because I thought if I'm going to do this, I've got to entertain. And how can I do that where people are going to want to watch? Instead of being focused on, you know, what was the whole purpose of why I went to YouTube anyways? It's because I wanted information. I didn't care if someone was giving me entertaining or not. I just wanted information. So there's also this other physician. I think her name is Dr. Dre, D-R-A-Y. And she's a dermatologist. And I might have her last name wrong, but she has like some like 2 million YouTube subscribers. And she's a dermatologist. She just literally sits on the side of her bed, no makeup. And she just talks for half an hour about derm stuff and People love it. And it's very dry. She's not dolled up. She's not making entertaining at all. It's just facts. And that really helped me like understand that people just want information. And this is a good platform to do that. And you don't have to be entertaining. You just have to be professional. Do those other things in other platforms. You just like calm the nerves of so many folks now to know they don't have to be entertaining. They got to put on a wig. They can be themselves and just add value, that value piece there. I would like to know how to turn back the clock on my face. I feel like I'm aging gracefully, like a fine wine, but how do I age like a like a malt whiskey? So it, it really depends on what you want, right? So with medical aesthetics, there's different levels. What I'm seeing now, and to tie it to your question, Rory, was the younger generation right now, oh my gosh, they're on it with their skincare. And if that's something that I can tell everyone right now is do what the younger are doing, they are all about their skincare at a young age because that's probably your best thing to mature naturally and gracefully is to make sure you have a good skincare routine. And that's the best three things anyone could do. And you could start at any age to do this. Well, any age is your SPF. Right. So that's your sunblock. And basically your SPF is number one out of all the and to be honest, it's probably ninety percent of every all that skincare that you're gonna spend money on. If you can just start doing SPF at I don't know, twelve, like doesn't really matter. You're just basically look, your skin has the reason why it's firm and it's you know lustrous and it's youthful without wrinkles is because we have an abundant amount of elastin and collagen. Those are the building blocks that hold your skin together. And by the time you're about nineteen to twenty-one we start losing our elastin and collagen 1% per year. 
and anything that's exposed to light, it's 2%. So that's how fast it breaks down. So if you can block the sun with an SPF 30 or more, so if you're using a 30 SPF or higher, you're blocking 97% of the light rays and it's just going to slow down that aging process significantly. For you, if you have like a good SPF and you're using that every day, including the winter, summer, fall, spring, winter, all year round, that is your number one secret to skincare. After that, then you want to look at actives. And actives are going things that irritate your skin. So you're basically pissing off your skin a little bit to stimulate and make your own collagen. And your actives are going to be your retinol and then vitamin C. That's okay. I have retinol. Yeah. Vitamin C. Is that? I think I have vitamin C in my serum. Is that a thing? So that's it. And there are different types of vitamin Cs. The vitamin C is a real nice one. That's your antioxidant. You put that on your face. It's a great antioxidant. It slows down the aging process. It irritates the skin slightly. So you're actually building a little bit more of that collagen that you're losing. And at the same time, it actually helps take away some like sunspots and it gives you a nice little glow. So vitamin C is one of the top things that I love. And then your retinol is the other golden cream out there. If you're looking at stuff to actually help repair your skin, repair luster, stimulate collagen, help with fine lines, get rid of dark spots, that's your retinol. Retinol is amazing. It's this vitamin A derivative that you put on your skin. And basically what it's going to do is it irritates the skin. This is why a lot of people have a hard time with retinol. They put it on at first. Like I don't think I have an intolerance or something to it because I get all red. It's an it's an irritant. It's an active. That's what you want. You just have to learn how to get used to using it. And the way to do that is use it either every other day at first or mixing it with your favorite moisturizer, putting it on until your body gets adapted to it. And then after that, later on, you just get used to putting it on alone. But it's going to help with fine lines. It's going to help with those dark spots. It's a great medication to keep you working out. Okay, Dan. So listen, I'm going to act like a child to this entire thing because I know Rory like is down in a rabbit hole with all the skincare stuff. I feel like I'm very, very new to it. When I hit 35, I was like, oh damn, I ain't got the time to like research and do all this stuff, right? So I don't know anything. That's what I'm trying to tell you right now. I don't, I don't know <laughs> nothing. So these questions I'm about to ask you, please just endure them. Yeah, sure. The retinol, I heard that. I was like, oh, it's, you know, it's supposed to irritate your skin or whatever. The moment I put that stuff on my face, like <clears throat> nothing. Like if anything else, it just made my feel, skin feel like kind of tighter. But there was yeah. like no irritation. I mean, I could take like squeeze retinol and smear it on myself and there's nothing there. Is my skin broken or is that just because there's different skin types? No, it's a great question. There's a lot of people who do not continue with their skincare because they are looking for something immediate. If you're looking for something immediate, that's where dermal fillers and that's where Botox comes in. But skincare is one of those things where it takes time. So you have different variations of skincare. You can get over-the-counter stuff, right? That's your like, you go to Sephora, that stuff. And that stuff is usually one to 100 the strength of a medical grade prescription or a prescription. It is the stuff that you buy at your medical aesthetics clinic. It's a little bit more expensive. But what it does is the active formula is stronger, but they also mix it with usually anti-inflammatories to help make sure your skin can tolerate it a little bit better. Even with the top medical grade stuff, it takes probably six to nine months for you to even notice. So it's, a lot, it's like, look at SPF, right? So sunscreen. If you're putting it on, do you think you're going to notice something different with your skin now? No. But if you are 19 and you're putting it on... So I started using SPF when I was 19. That's like my secret. My, my sister told me this. She's seven years older. She's like, man, just put SPF on morning every day. You'll love it. And you'll take me 10 years from now. And that has honestly been my secret was that I started SPF really young. 
And 10 years later, I could tell the difference from my skin and someone else's. There are different things that matter with regards to genetics. Some people have thicker skin, darker skin. These things all have like a component to how you're going to prepare. But with it, when it comes to SPF, definitely, it's like a long-term game. You're going to thank yourself 10 years later. Same thing with the retinol in your SPF. You got to stay with it. And a lot of people expect immediate results. And if they don't see it, they're like, I'm just buying something new. But you just got to stay with it. So what's number three? We have sunscreen. We have retinol and vitamin C. What's so that's your, those are your like essentials to skincare. If you can do that, then honestly, just get, you know, a foundation of that under, under you know, under your skincare routine. And that's, that's the secret to looking as youthful as you can for as long as possible. Everything else is just kind of like extra. So I started doing that because I, I saw a TikTok with Brad Pitt doing that. And I think he's about 100 years old, but still looks better than the three of us combined. Yeah. So I think he does it twice a day. I like to do it before bed. Do you do it morning and night? So your SPF, if you're looking at a purist. It's obviously a morning one. SPF, unfortunately, only lasts about two hours. So that's the downside. So most of the time, especially in the summer, I mean, during the winter and all, if you're doing it once a day, great. But whenever the summer starts kicking out, especially here, or if you're exposed to a lot of sun where you're living... You're doing it at least twice a day. Like at noon, you should probably reapply because at that point, it's it's just not really active anymore. So that's your rule number one with SPF. What are you in your office? Do you still put it on? Like just it depends if you have a lot of sunlight coming in, right? If you have a lot of natural light coming in, yes. But if you're in like a dungeon, no. So (laughs) oh my god, because I have two huge windows right here, and I don't put on sunscreen sitting in my office. Oh my gosh, no, it's it's important actually. So if you, there's a lot of studies out there now. You see like truckers come out and they'll see, they'll show their skin and their skin on this side is just destroyed and this side looks great or normal or average because they've just been exposed to so much sun. True. I had, I had age spots on this side of my face. This is why I was fine because I do most of my driving on this side and I, I was like, these, what are these brown spots? Like, I, I, And there's something like they're age spots. I'm like, I'm not even 40 yet. And this is... Yeah. Oh, and then so your retinol, unfortunately, retinol uh, is deactivated by the sun and it causes sun sensitivity. So you can burn if you have it on during the day. So your retinol, you have to put it on at night. <gasps> I'm doing everything wrong, Dan. What about like women who have makeup on? Like, do we put sunscreen on over our makeup? So and then just to go back to the vitamin C and the vitamin C, you want to put that in the morning. So vitamin C in the morning, retinol at night and your SPF, obviously, in the morning. So now with your if your your routine for the morning, basically, let's say. Your vitamin C should be in like a liquid form. And then because it's liquid, you're going to put that on first. Usually your thicker products you're going to put on afterwards. You're going to lay them on top. So your vitamin C is on first. Then if you want to put a moisturizer, go ahead. And if you want to do your makeup, go ahead. If your SPF is a cream, then you put your SPF before all your makeup. It should be your last layer before your makeup. But you can also get brush on SPF where you can't even really see it. And you can put that on after all your makeup. You just brush it off and it looks great girls going on amazon after this so just to reiterate it's vitamin c in the morning in spf and then retinol and moisturizer at night yeah so to make it easy vitamin c is the first thing that touches your skin in the morning and then after that if you're using a cream it should be closest to your last before makeup for your spf right who do you think is the best aging celebrity of all time oh Man, that's a good one. I have my answer, but I'm curious to know both of you what it is. Male and female. How about that? Male and female? What? Probably Paul Rudd. He looks pretty good. Oh, yeah. Doing really well. And for female, J-Lo maybe. But the thing is too, right? You have to look at J-Lo. And this is one thing a lot of people don't know is that, you know, if you have thicker skin, 
that means you have that much more elastin and collagen in your skin before it slims down to the point where you're starting to get wrinkles. And that's the other thing too, is that if you have darker complexion, such as Jayla, the darker your complexion, the more natural SPF you have. So that's why- I like the thicker darker. skin. Is that where the term black bone crack come in? Is it basically it? So kind of, right? So the, yeah, I remember actually watching Oprah whenever she said that. I remember watching that exact episode. It was like a, a whole spiel of people coming in. We had to guess their ages. And then like, there was like a woman who was 78 years old. She was like, she was 42. And Oprah was like, black don't crack. I was like, oh God. Yeah. And, and it, that's kind of the secret. It's basically, I've seen that time and time again, where I have people come in, if they have darker complexions and thicker skin, half these people don't wrinkle for a long, long time. And it's that kind of secret sauce. And the question is, how do you get thicker skin? It's what can you Take do? more chances in life. <laughs> yeah. Like it's what can you do to slow down the degradation? You can't really replace or make your skin thicker, but what you can do is slow it down. And there's certain things that you can do to really slow it down. And this is the step. So we talked about skincare, like your actives, you're, anytime you're irritating your skin, you're stimulating a little bit of collagen, which slows down that breakdown of one or 2% per year, but you're not putting more, you're just slowing it down. And then the next step on top of that is probably going to be like microneedling. Gabby, thank you for bringing this up. I have no idea what that is. What is that? The microneedling is basically like it's a pen and there's like 12 little needles at the tip and you irritate your skin. It's literally like aeration of the skin. And it just aerates it, you know, thousands of pokes all around and you get all bloody. And then after that. Oh my God. Yeah. So, hurt? Well, usually you numb the face before. So you don't feel much, but it is a little tender. And, but it's controlled trauma, micro little pokes. So therefore your body has controlled healing. And therefore, it actually heals not only that little hole, but also around it. So it actually makes your skin look better. So you have controlled trauma, controlled healing. And then what a lot of people will do will add things to it to help the absorption, right? So you can add a hyaluronic acid serum, which hydrates the skin, or you can take your own blood, you can spit it down. And after that, you take the growth factor, which is in there, and you put it in and it helps heal it that much quicker. Or there's also this new thing called Exazel, which is like stem cell technology. And you place that in there and it helps restore a lot of youth there. So these are all additives, but basically the irritation of the skin with the microneedling is the next level of pissing off your skin and stimulating a little bit more collagen. So use retinol and if you want to save if you if you want to save a few bucks basically. Use retinol. It's a great way if it's affordable and for people and that's why again TikTok loves skincare because all these people who are sharing it can afford all the skincare, but they may not be able to afford yet the next medical aesthetic stuff. You know, that's level two. Level three is microneedling with radio frequency. What if you have an abusive spouse who slaps you around a little bit? Is that the same irritant oh, as like a what? learn here and you were just taking this <laughs> left field? It's an actual question. I don't know anything about anything. It depends on how many slaps you get a day. Yeah, it can help. So the more abusive your spouse, the better your skin looks by the time you're our age. Uh, yeah, are you doing this, this microneedling oh. stuff? Are, are you... Do you oh, I get slapped around all the time. That's how I look this good. So you just cut my thing. <laughs> no, no. I, all, I, all I do is the is, is the the vitamin C and then the moisturizer, and then I, I just I clean my face, which for a while I didn't do because I was under the impression that like I don't know because my sister, for example, she'd go just do everything on her face, and I'm like, what? Do you, like, it, I feel it felt like over overkill, and. She would have like like acne and stuff like that. So I kind of took the opposite approach of like, why don't I just let nature take its course and just not really do much? And it worked, but I, but it's, you know, it's not necessarily the, 
I've changed my tune now that I'm there. So now, now I, I, yeah, I do the, the, the routine, but I don't do much in the morning, which I should. I just do the SPF and then at night I'll do the vitamin C. There are certain people who are acne prone and they need additional things such as a toner. And if you want to know what a toner is, basically it's something that if you wake up and your skin's super oily and you know if you don't do anything, it's just you're going to get breakouts. Some people, they just put a toner on and what that does is neutralize your skin tone, puts like a neutral pH balance. And then therefore you can then after that do all your skin there. But I'm like you, Rory. I just basically wash my hair, wash my body, but I don't put any soap or toners on my face. And very, very natural. And as a result, my body really doesn't react much to things. Okay. So for folks who haven't been putting on SPF since they were 19 and just now started at 35, 36 years old. It's never too late. No, I do it now. I mean, if we want to preserve our face, <laughs> continuing just with the skincare routine or do you recommend that at some point we start doing microneedling stuff like that i see a lot of women doing microneedling it really depends on what you want right so if you're oh, trying J-Lo, come on so j-lo you know what she does really well is she does little tweaks and she does things naturally and she doesn't ever overdo uh, overdo it and she probably stays with some of who she trusts people are very aware of overfilled face and people looking at natural there's a big big push for natural right now which is awesome and i'm one of those 100 but what Jayla does well is that she doesn't overdo anything. And so she has the genetics, right? So she has the genetics of a darker skin complexion, likely thicker skin as well. But she definitely has a good skincare routine and she's doing other things. She probably does microneedling. She could be doing some radio frequency or microneedling with radio frequency, which is another level for you to do that and stimulates collagen 10 times more than the microneedling itself. And you actually get a skin tightening effect with it. So that's a benefit that you can do, but also there are neuromodulators such as Botox or Dysport or any other medications. And the way those work is you basically, it's a medication. It's a very safe medication. One of the safest medications you can inject. And what it does is it just tells the muscle, hey, don't contract. And I can contr- we can control how much you, you want to contract or not. If you want to freeze it, then you can freeze it. But you can actually place small doses and you can still have some movement. See, I have movement and most of my lines are gone. And basically, you can control that. To, it, to the point where the muscle relaxes, it gives your skin a break, and then after that, the wrinkles go away. And the beauty of neuromodulators, which a lot of people aren't aware of, is that it doesn't just fix wrinkles. It actually really does help with skin tone and texture. A lot of people, it shrinks pores, it helps with rosacea, it gives your skin this just nice, smooth feeling, and uh, that's why people love it. That's also going to be the next question. I'm sorry. No, no, that's what I thought. That was going to be my next question. Are there any drawbacks or any uh, repercussions to Botox? And I, I learned the same thing as, as you did. Basically, you're just filling, filling gaps kind of thing. So over time, those the, the lines don't create. And, and so your skin naturally, there's no creases in it as you, as you age or it slows down the creases, I guess. Yeah, you're not really filling anything, actually. You're just telling the muscle to relax. But yeah. that, if you are having hollows, let's say you end up getting deeper hollows underneath the cheeks or you're getting deeper hollows in the temples or under the eyes or whatever, then that's where a little bit of dermal filler can come in. And the reason why you use that is because it replaces the fat that you lose. I right? remember I said I was memorizing how certain fat pads of the face, we tend to lose those. Well, as that is lost, you can restore them naturally with a safe hyaluronic acid filler. By the way, we all make our own hyaluronic acid. Everything in our skin tissues is all our own hyaluronic acid. Which is why if it's used properly, it's really safe because if you don't like it or if there's a medical emergency, you can just dissolve it and it's gone in like half an hour. So it's 
it's all these little things that you can do well in order to mature right. And I think Jayla is doing that. If she's had a little bit of volume loss, she's not looking to like puff up her whole face. She's like, just restore that a little bit. With a little tweak right there for a little dermal filler. And she's like, you know what? I want these wrinkles to soften. Let's keep it natural. Let's do a little tweak with some neuromodulators such as Dysport or Botox. And then she has a great skincare routine. So to summarize what you just said, do what Jennifer Anderson does and not what Courtney Cox does. I love Courtney Cox. I'm going to punch you in the face. I do want to mention <laughs> that J-Lo apparently does not drink alcohol and does not have caffeine. And there's that element too, which I'm just not willing to do. And that's it. So, so let's just be that can potentially, why, why bad? I guess because it potentially can dry out your skin. But my gosh, like you still have to live. I, I guess just, you know, the whole premise of the show was to help 40-year-olds not give up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like your life's not freaking over. If anything else, I mean, God willing, you're only halfway through, if not, if that, you know. And I love that you started this story with the squash wanting to wanting to be excellent at that and be excellent at a business. And you're helping folks look younger and feel younger and so forth. So any words of advice, I guess, high level for 40-year-olds who are kind of wanting a little bit more, but maybe feeling like it's too late. What I see is, for some reason, often enough at around 30, 35, most of my friends, most of people who I grew up with, they just kind of like gave up. They get a, a regular job. They maybe get married, maybe have kids, and all of a sudden it's like time to get fat and get lazy, and that's part of life now. Like, no, we had a guy who he's an anesthesiologist from Alabama, came to shadow us. He's 58 years old, and he's like ready to start a new career. He's like, I'm kind of sick of anesthesia. You know, I'm, I'm looking for passion dry he's like i'm fit i still work out every day and i just don't want to get bored and i know that's kind of like the secret to staying youthful is having a sense of purpose and drive and being active so i want to switch into this career and i'm going to start it now like 58 and i thought i was doing well starting this at 40 but at 58 it just lets me know listen it's all up here you know you don't have to give up your life like you still we're all gonna it, unless something crazy something crazy happens most of us are going to live to about 80 plus years so if you're looking at people like okinawa or anywhere else they all have a sense of purpose they're aging well they don't get botox they don't get any of this stuff and they're all super happy and the reason why is because they're active and they have a sense of purpose and community that's that's kind of the secret just have a sense of purpose believe in yourself stay active and don't don't get complacent be happy preach there you have it actually it's funny because at the end of my videos i always say like my sign off is take care of yourselves exercise daily and be nice to absolutely everyone but that and combined with just living a life with an open optimistic approach and and exercising those are those are keys give yourself a conceivable reason to get out of bed in the morning basically 100 where can we find you online so my handle is danesthetics medical it's you know it's all the same handle it's on youtube if you want some educational content it's there if you're wanting some fun content with regards to what's going on with our life with my wife, who is my business partner, and what's going on with our business, it's all on Instagram. And so we use our TikToks over there and we have some pretty fun stuff. For the folks who failed grade five, how do you spell aesthetics? There's two ways to spell it. There's the American way, which is E-S-thetics. And then there's the Canadian and European way, which just starts with an A. So I just put Dan and then the American way, Dan aesthetics, because I remember thinking like putting and A, so Dan, and then the Canadian, which would be another A, and everyone would be calling Dana. I got, a, I got a weird final question. What is an ambitious, kind of crazy goal that you have for yourself, whether it's work-related or not, that you have for yourself in the future that maybe you're a little bit apprehensive or nervous to even admit? Well, in the mornings, I have 
uh, a journal and I never journaled. I never did any of this social media stuff before getting to this field. But I knew that whenever I had this goal to be the face of Canada, I was like, oh man, I gotta like actually start telling people that I'm gonna do this because otherwise, once you start getting, like once the business starts becoming successful, you almost get complacent because like, I'm doing well. Like, do I really need to be the face of Canada now? As a result, I still need to try and hit that goal because why? Because like I was 58, you know, like I, it just gives me a sense of purpose. So as a result, I write down in my journal things that I want and it helps kind of like push me to that goal. So I put like ridiculous goals that I probably will never achieve. Like I want a hundred million dollars. So I have a Patreon and a Patreon is basically a subscription where people pay me and I teach them how to, well, I just basically show them how I do medical aesthetics on my clients and you have to be a medical provider to join. But basically, if I can get 100,000 followers from there, that'd be great. If I can get a million YouTube subscribers, that'd be great. If I can be known internationally and the face for Canada by doing international presentations everywhere, that's that's my ambition. Love it. Lofty goals. It sounds crazy to have these goals, but especially in business, a lot of times, whatever your industry you're in, in business, there's a lot of competition. And a lot of times you get a lot of hate from competition and you're always comparing yourself to other people. Whenever the, one of the benefits of having this crazy goal is that I never compare myself with anyone locally. Where all the other medical aesthetics, we have a ton of, there's like a, a saturated market around here and every single one of them competes amongst each other. And it's like this secret where they like, they, you know, if you see a couple of clients going over to somewhere else, like, oh, that's the competition. Where for me, I don't care. I don't, I actually hope these people become like the base of Ottawa because my goal is Canada, right? And as a result, I kind of want to support them. I help them out. And, and I know that it just takes away all of that irritation, that irritability, animosity, growth completely away. And, and I kind of feel for them because I wish everyone could have that feeling of not worry or stress about competition. It's true. It's like you get, you get, Pigeon down to that same, to that local mindset. I remember I had the same sort of talk like 15, 20 years ago of like, oh, this, this local person is uh, getting the gig at this local bar that I wanted to get a gig at. And then uh, this is when I was recording in Nashville at the time. And the producer's like, dude, you're not competing with that local person. You're competing with Shania Twain. Exactly. Like, <laughs> so you, you grow to like, to, to try to, you know, become that instead of held back by the people in your, in your local market. And it sounds funny you said people are laughing, but no, honestly, that's the mindset you have to have because if you start thinking that big, then you start thinking, well, how did Shania get there? Like, you start thinking differently. Like, the only reason why I do these international podcasts with all these international top classics and terms is because of my YouTube channel. And the only reason why I did that YouTube channel is because I want to be known internationally. And it's you, have, you start thinking outside the box where if you start thinking, how am I going to be the biggest in my city? then you're just going to be starting to think local. You're going to start thinking small, like think big. How did Shania do it? How do these top people do it? And you'll start creating your own ideas. And and once you start finding some little spark of, you know, of a secret, you write it down and you run with it. Well, damn, Dan, I am effing motivated. I got my SBF. I'm going to be putting it on <laughs> a couple times a day, set bigger goals, have an eye receiver. This podcast you guys are doing, this 40 over 40 is, like, is amazing. I don't know, really, it's... Whenever you guys start posting this, I'm like, yes, this is exactly it. I tell myself, at 40, I'm going to open up the doors, and I ended up getting the keys to my business the week I turned 40, and it was such an amazing feeling. And I know there are a lot of people out there who still have a lot of passion and drive after 35, so, you know, jump, go for it. You still got a lot of it. Amen. Hallelujah. Thanks for coming on, man. Oh, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys.